Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. Today we've got a special episode planned i've got dan joining me uh this is a friday evening we're sitting back we're excited to have a special round table that's been sort of planned yes featuring shop moderator purdue and bonta trading's baba yaga as they nerd out on balance how are you guys doing today great how you doing yeah uh, getting a head start on a friday I'm I'm sorry. I'm still distracted by how messy Dan's desk is. Oh, you're gonna call him out on air like that? Yeah, on, on, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's it's the only space wow. in the house that I don't have to keep immaculate. So it's almost like half protest, but half I I my desk is just naturally cluttered. Dan, how's your car looking these days? Okay, well we won't we won't. How are you doing, uh, Kyle? So two spaces. Two sp- <laughs> I just, uh, just pointing out there's, there's more than one. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's actually fairly clean because I have to drive places. I have to drive the wife around. Like she doesn't like to drive. Uh, I remember that being to... a consequence. Yeah, yeah, cleaning the car, cleaning the that car. turned into a habit. Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah. hey, no, no hate from me, dude. No hate from yeah, me. Do, yeah. You do you. <laughs> All right, Mike. Yeah, uh, you you requested uh, this sit down here. So, what do you tell me? Kind of what you're hoping to accomplish with this? I like to go out on the rabbit hole of looking at balance. Me and Bob have had little banter's here and there in chat, and would like to get his thoughts and opinions of what he considers balance, and then kind of bounce it back to me and and give my opinion of balance, and kind of see where we fit in the middle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Uh, excited to listen in on this one. I'm not sure how much I'll be able to contribute because I've learned most of my stuff from you. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be a good review for me to make sure I still got all the key points uh, correct. Uh, before we jump into that, though, let's get some self-promotion stuff out of the way. So, uh, Bob, I'll start with you. You got anything going on uh, over at Vanta you want to mention? Well, we are still um, doing our trader evaluations and we actually, I guess we're almost caught up. We, we got way, way behind trying to get to everyone in a timely fashion just because there was quite a few of them. Um, and yeah, for anybody that doesn't know, it's a free evaluation we put together with the help of a lot of you guys that are on this call currently. And, um, we, um, 
it's just an opportunity for a trader to slow down and get away from the pace of like you know the charts and data and all of that and like really dive into how sure and steady is their process and then how well they're applying that and it's for a chance for like myself and banks as a as a outside third party to look at that and just give some perspective which is always helpful um so uh, we've been doing a lot of that we did i think three of those today banks and i did and um mm, it's nice. the coolest part of that i'll just say is most of the time when we get on a call oh, most of the time every so often we get on a call with someone and they start telling us the things that have already changed in their trading before we ever meet with them about what we think and that's like the biggest the biggest win and like honestly the biggest encouragement because the goal would be you know to help people improve and it's so funny how just answering seven pages of questions can actually <laughs> in some ways at least uh -huh. give you some good direction so that's what we've been cooking I know when I was doing mine, there was a couple there. I was like, mm, well, I don't know the answer to this. So uh, we'll definitely have to go figure that one out. Yeah. I mean, it's it. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. We've been talking as well about we've gotten some good feedback. Like um, having those talks gives us a chance to hear from traders. We've gotten some good feedback about some things that we could possibly do in the room a little, maybe a little differently to, to, to help mm -hmm. folks out a little bit and also cater um like to a broader audience in some ways like a broader audience of futures traders instead of being so narrow with um like you know i'm just like always on about the nq right but like multiple people purdue included have <laughs> mentioned that like dude not really everybody doesn't trade that so so uh banks and i actually had a little conversation today about how to better structure our morning prep stuff yeah um uh to incorporate you know a couple of other markets yeah so that's pretty much it and then right. sounds chilling. like it's a two-way two-way learning street then that's awesome always all right mike what about you man what do you got going on i don't have anything going on just trying to make uh Bullshit. the trading and running a business at the same time now we can promote your wife's book if you want oh yes yes my wife did write a book um she wrote it at the start of the year nothing left but ashes by lauren purdue on amazon I got my copy uh, next to me. It's the next book I got on my list to read. Uh, I'll make sure those links are in the episode description. Dan, what about you, man? You got anything going on you want to tell the peoples about? Um, yeah, I'm I'm working on a new podcast uh, called Half Cocked Tales. And, <laughs> That's a good uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you, thank you. I've already got some guerrilla marketing schemes cooked up. Uh, it's just it's just going to be a daily, probably about thirty minutes to an hour, kind of like a cocktail lounge. Uh, radio show like Dean Martin meets Isaac Asimov. Oh, oh, that should be fun. Yeah, real jazzy like and right. upbeat. All right, keep us posted to make sure we uh, link those things when we uh, when you start releasing those episodes. Yeah, sooner rather than later. I hope I got a lot of work to do. You know, yeah, it's a lot of music to record. <laughs> yeah, dailies. Uh, oof, yeah. All right, uh, let's dive in then. Uh, where, where do we want to start then? Let's start talking about some balance. Baba, can you take it away with what your idea of balance is? Yes. Um, so I am completely unoriginal and not creative when it comes to value and balance. Um, and, but I think there's some ways that, so it's funny you said like the, my perspective was more traditional and I feel like I just made it up on the fly and <laughs> called it do good. We, so do we all just feel like that? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> isn't that what, that's, <laughs> that's what everybody's really doing. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Really, I guess uh, for me, the idea of balance would be if we have two days or more where with regard to time, we spend 70% of our time, um, you know, in a given area. And if in the, if the next day, so um, that same 70% of our time overlaps at all, then those two days get married together into one day um differing from you i will look at vo volume on a um like a 20-day composite um as well as like a you know intraday as as the volume profile builds on my dom i have a vertical monitor over here um and so i have the volume profile from globex on one side and the volume profile from rth on the other side as they build out um, so I will watch value from a volume standpoint through that lens. 
But day to day, um, I'm watching for where do we spend 70% of our time and does that time overlap with uh, the next day? And then are we, are we dragging that value slightly higher or are we dragging it slightly lower? Um, and honestly, like it's, I'm, I'm looking at like, you know, my outline of my notes for how to interpret balance. And there's a, I mean, there's obviously some nuance to it. Like I'll do that um, day to day. I also do that weekly. So mm -hmm. I look at the bigger picture, um, like every week, where did we spend 70% of our time? And I'll apply the same metric. You know, if we have two weeks that we overlap, those two weeks of time get clustered together. Like I'll merge those two profiles, those two TPO profiles. And then, um, and really it gives me like five, five to eight levels to pay attention to as a value, as a, as a balance area builds, or as we build one and, and leave it, there's basically five things that, um, that I'm looking at. So mm -hmm. when you composite the days together, I'm looking at the, the high, the ultimate high of that whole thing. Um, and the low, so balance area, high and low from a TPO perspective. I'm looking at value area high and low from a time perspective, right? I'm looking for point of control for the distribution. So when I reference distribution, I mean balance area low to balance area high, the entire composite of, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, balance area low mm -hmm. to balance area high, the entire composite. And then um, kind of a place that I've, I would say, maybe picked up on a little bit of um, a nuanced application is as we approach balance area high or balance area low, obviously those two areas are key, right? Because not only are you potentially going to leave a current distribution and begin to seek to form another one somewhere. So the idea of the, of us getting very one directional through, mm -hmm. through or out of that comes into play. So looking for trend days, but, but not necessarily trend day up, right? Like we need to, and I'll be curious to hear your thoughts about this. Like when we get to the top of a balance area, that day uh, or the bottom, that day um, has that's the likely day that we will abandon. Like that's the day that will become an island. Mm -hmm. And this would be the the other piece of my approach or whatever is if if there's a day that happens and then the following day happens, and between those two days, if there's not an overlap of the value areas from a TPO perspective, then once that second day closes. If it's not overlapping, the prior day becomes an island day, and that's pretty common. I think a lot of people have heard of that. And my interpretation of that is that the the market abandoned that idea, right? That either progression higher or progression lower has been abandoned. And then on the third day, then we look to either retest and then fade, or we look for um, just a straight continuation move away from wherever that island day was. Um, so like, for instance, today being the 13th, Friday, the 13th, we didn't have an island day on Thursday until the close of today, but we did have like the makings of one by the, by how we drug value to the top based on the prior three days. And we kind of, you know, closed at the low of value after testing the top of, of what had turned into the top of balance because it overlapped the prior day. I know this is very wordy, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And so in light of that, like the idea of, of retesting that even today without it truly being an, an Island day yet, you have to think forward or I try to think forward, like the likelihood of sellers feeling like they've got something here. Um, like the makings of abandoning that upper distribution um, was is something you know that I'll be looking for, or like now that we've fell out of balance from the prior three days, the way that I see it, you know, fifteen one seventy nine fifty becomes pretty important. Seventy nine fifty up to about um, like fifteen one ninety nine, that little upper edge of today's value and bottom of balance from the prior distribution. That area will kind of be key, and that's I haven't looked at like hourly, four hour, mm -hmm. any of that stuff, but just just looking at balance of value because if we get back above that, then the idea to kind of leave Friday as an island 
and go back and trade into Thursday's range and possibly trade into Thursday's value, deeper into Thursday's value, or even into the point of control or retest the top of 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 that balance kind of would be, you know, depending on how the auction develops, what I'd look for. Um, uh, one of the things I also pay attention to is when we get to like, um, when we get to the top of a balance area or as we're developing a balance area, like it becomes very important to me if value of that day that touches the top of balance, like if all, if that value is, is all the way up there at the top. So we don't have excess to the upside. Mm -hmm. Um, then that's like something I just like, I'm, I pay attention to that. Um, so like Thursday, for instance, you know, we, we slammed, you know, the upper distribution was thick with time and volume. We left single prints behind. And then this morning we basically tested those single prints. Um, and it, the uh, like, you know, sixties or whatever, 65. And then I'm, I'm assuming there was the LVN there on a volume profile. Yep. And that, that was like, a that was a make or break spot when the bulls open. It, it's so funny. Like when the bull posture, when the bullet, when the market postures bullish into something like that, it really does create those like make or break moments. So I try to pay attention to how single prints are left behind with regard to where value was in the bigger picture of balance and all that. So, hmm. but that's pretty much it. Like it gives me, you know, six to seven levels. Um, and I'd rather trade back into an area like that we've already traded. Um, and then you get, you get really clean targets. The only thing I use as, um, the only thing I consider to snap into, like snap into a trade without a setup is val is balance area high and low. Like I, hmm. I wouldn't snap, snap in without a really clean setup to like value area high, value area low or point of control. Because to me, uh, the market kind of digests those levels before we move away from them. Uh -huh. Whereas like, balance area high or balance area low um the market is usually snappy around those areas is that generally because speaking. those areas tend to i mean there's probably a lot of stops built up in those areas because i'm guessing those are probably building around like the actual extremes right yeah i mean it's the it's the you know it's going to be a daily swing high yeah so exactly when you, yeah when you think mm -hmm. through like from banks's perspective on liquidity like any daily swing high or daily swing low is he's going to be looking for like a peak below that and fail right. like yeah. pick up stops and run. So those can be great snap entries. I think like three or four weeks ago, or maybe it's been longer than that. So like the, like we opened the week at the low of the prior week, peaked below it by like yeah. 10 points. And then we proceeded to, to, to unwind to the upside back into balance is similarly to how we're set up currently, honestly, like that, that could be a real thing going into next week. But Yeah. And that's exactly what I look for on the balance area, high and lows. You want to get that reaction, that quick V of the chart. And that's the biggest, biggest reason why I pay attention to balance is just look for those reactions. Yeah. So like, yeah, prior week value area high and low or something I pay attention to. Um, I ask myself questions like, you know, are we, you know, from a day to day perspective, we may be cruising along, but from a weekly standpoint, like, are we in a, a larger um, a sequence of overlapping weeks? Um, and it really just gives me um, awareness, I would say. Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like it, you've been around for like some morning preps and like, I want to know where we are in context of value and balance. Because that kind of informs what I'll be looking for from an hourly or thirty-minute to thirty-minute standpoint, you know. Mm. Um, and, and that's where that's what I really mostly use it for. A couple of trade setups, mostly awareness. That was the the biggest concept that helped me a lot was with market context and starting thinking about balance and learning about balance. Is that it gave me kind of like a football field. Yes. And my middle, my balance is my midline, just like in a football field. And then it's basically who's winning the game right now. Are we at the red line, you know, on the bear side or we're we in the bull side? Ah, I love that. And that's always given me that context, especially when I have an established balance and we're above the midline and hoping opening above the midline and we're opening above the previous day's high. There's no short button anymore. Yes. Gives me that idea. How how far can you take that analogy? Like, is the last ten yards the hardest to gain? 
Uh, oh yeah, for sure. If uh, if the Bulls have already you know run up the score, is the Kyle? You don't do, know what do the sellers get some garbage time. You don't know what team you're playing this week or this day. That's uh, the problem. Yeah. Right. Some days that last ten so, yards you just roll right over them. So so it, so I'm gonna uh, so when you are looking at a distribution, let's say like a three like a three day five day balance whatever. If if we are opening any given day, um, you're the the distance, and I, I guess like the unfolded prior day's auction, but basically the distance to the midpoint of that balance is going to inform you on um, general like a general bias. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yes. It's interesting. See, I don't think of it like that, but I'm writing notes. So for me, the my your balance is off a of TPO generically yep. and that's where yep. i started was you know dalton's teachings and using tpo and it was always a three-day balance for me on a tpo and i'd merge them when they had overlapping value and then i also used to track the composite volume balance as well uh-huh. and that's what led me down the road that i'm on now where i only track balance by volume so how much discrepancy do you see but do you ever even do you ever look at tpo to see that like how much discrepancy do you notice i've i've platted them both and there's a little bit but they generally seem to line up fairly well like you'll have it, different vpox sometimes i think right and yeah yeah is that the nuance of uh of the profile itself is probably much more informative to you as well Ex- exactly yeah. that's yeah. what that's what it felt like to me with the tpo all you're getting is just a dot at you know, or a spot that's telling you that, hey, we traded here Yep. in a 30-minute period, but it's not telling you how much volume was traded in those 30-minute no. periods. No, it doesn't tell you that. It also helps you with Sierra, like when you draw the composite value over the balance area while you're trading and you have that composite right there, and all of a sudden you see one bar really pop up and you're looking at, say, four, five days of balance, and mm-hmm. there's one day of volume that really sticks out. It just I found it much easier to see that as opposed to an intraday volume profile that was building Mm. so do you watch um the profile on a from a like your daily volume as it builds intraday are you watching that yes intraday okay so that's another kind of you know i'll i will keep my tpo up on a third of my monitor for especially off the open for the first little bit but once we've kind of established what's going on, I, I rarely, I mean, I'll reference it from, from time to time, but I, but I don't actively um, watch it. I know what levels from that information, you know, that I garnered at the open or before the open that I'll be paying attention to. But I actually, I actually don't, um, I don't super watch it intraday. And I wonder if I'm leaving something on the table there. Yeah. I don't watch TPO at all during, during RTH. It's only, Pre or post market? Will you post a will you post a picture to me or in this group of what your um what you're looking what you're looking at? You don't have it open? No, sorry, don't. Well, that's okay. Just pop it open and do. It. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna post one. I'm gonna so I mean you probably see mine. I think the only other thing that I um I would say that I watch for, and you guys have probably been around enough for this to happen. If we open, if Globex value area high and RTH value area high or low of either is within seven to 10 points of each other, that little value gap. And I think Purdue, we've talked about this briefly before. Yes. That's, that is, I mean, that's your pivot. Like that's, I love it when they open that way. Even today, like we didn't have one as clean but we did between 265, 15265 and um and 15.277, right there at the bottom of the composites value and the bottom of so the the whole distributions value and then overnight value. So that little block for me was below that was no longs until until we got to bottom of balance or lower. Um and really I was looking for us to sweep some stuff lower. And I actually snagged a trade late day, but those little, those little, when 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 the market sets up at the open with that little gap in value, mm-hmm. I love to trade that as a directional, uh, you know, a directional uh, pivot. Basically, um, I think we both somewhat do that. It gives you something to put your back to. 
Yes. Like, th yep. This is my absolute line in the sand that yep. if this breaks, it's all falling apart. Yeah. So you're so basically you're just no candles. Oh no, you do have some candles. Uh, what is no, that like? Yeah, that's my Delta Bar candles. Okay, cool. And so, so you're just looking. So you're strictly looking at at the volume as it builds, and then you overlap them when there's three days. Is that right? Yes. So three days of overlapping value has to be created. So to right now for me, ES is in balance, and you can see the little box that I drew yep. right there. That's where yep. it broke out of balance, then created three days of balance. Even though it overlapped into a previous balance area, that created support. And now we're getting sucked back into a previous balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yes. Uh, so you're, I love that. This has been a point of contention for me as just as I've wild, wild wested my way around balance and value. So at what point do you not regard what is to the left what what makes you not regard what's to the left anymore like like you have that red box talk about that well so the only way that i can get rid of balance area levels which would be the, the balance area high the midline and the balance layer low the only reason i will get rid of those levels if another balance area is created that overlaps them yep okay same like we came to that conclusion independent of one another wow but yeah that so it's like the developing auction overrides once it over once it overlaps it also overrides in importance and that's true for any of the really any of the things i look at for directional clarity or bias like the most immediate information is the most valuable it is really funny how all of this is kind of just pieced together by miscellaneous teachings, figuring out and like sometimes like some people get so upset, like I made this and I'm not saying I made this. I'm not saying you made this. I'm just saying this is how I see it now. And I guarantee you, I read it from a bazillion different places on YouTube and everything else. Yeah. So then for you, now we've worked our way back in on and I'm looking at NQ, but yes, I can see it on your chart as well we've worked back into a prior balance area now it was like five days of balance yeah there was actually this one's actually better to see let me show you the simple trading view one that i post a lot of time in discord where it shows where we came from and where we're now at so you can see we have multiple <laughs> days of balance look at this look 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 what's that no look it's just i mean great minds i guess look look at this <laughs> oh wow wow so those listening we have never shared yeah we've no. never shared these images they have both shared their charts and they've boxed out the same exact areas oh i'll put these images in the episode description yeah, oh, wow. and we're closer than we thought yeah, <laughs> yeah we really are i actually i love the um so then tell me this dude what made you so when you have an island day you don't include that in your balance area yeah the, if as soon as balance is broken which means as soon as value is broken it's so like that big box i showed you there is actually three different balances that i've all overridden i just quickly drove the box but for me i have to have continuous value of volume overlapping the whole entire time okay so so um if you look at look at the chart that i posted so we have yep. Day in the in the blue box, we have day mm -hmm. one overlaps day two overlaps day three, day four is a is you know originally looks like an escape of of balance area high, but then mm -hmm. the value still overlaps, so it's just an extension up of the of the auction. Um, no real nothing really to note there, and then the fourth day, no the fifth day happens, um, and then when the sixth day happens, that's when it uh the values didn't overlap so that one two three so that fifth day you would not include that day in your balance area correct no i would not but that is interesting because your value is a little bit different than mine i want yours this year mine's trading view right here well I, do, do, are those the on that new balance area at the higher one the smaller one are those combined because that looks like a much fatter TPO chart. Yeah, the one up top is three days combined. Okay. And okay. then the, and then I expanded the one at the bottom. It, it was you know five days smushed together. So the 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 question I've most recently asked is where where do you measure? Do you measure your not you but like where do I do I when when we break from balance, the the day 
that it that becomes the island should that day be included in the balance or not included in the balance traditionally i wasn't including it and then as of like i don't know the last six months or four months i have been including it but i actually love the the gap that's created yes Mm -hmm. i love the gap that's created there um because it really drives you to anticipate breaking from this will most likely draw us to mm-hmm. to that and, yeah. and whereas i was looking for that for us to catch some type of bid as we came down into the you know single prints that were there and into that island days value um but man i really like the the separation of zones that creates when you don't include those and that day just really stands out. So if you look at the one I just posted, which is on the 25th and the 27th, I have two days that are not in a box because they're not three days of overlapping value. And yeah. then actually then we jumped up and went to value or we would jumped up to the midline and then we created a value up there and we held that area, keeping those two separated. Actually, we did have overlapping value. I just noticed my drawing bad. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. No, but um, I, get, I get the idea though that's the whole I, that's the whole idea of it is, is just that and also when you draw your zones you're not you're not drawing them to the low of the day your value zones you're really capturing that's, just the value and that's yes. the distinction in your work so you would rarely anticipate you would anticipate a re-entry into a balance area being defined by not just crossing over the high of the day at the end of that, but crossing back into the value or like in the picture from today, touching into it and then leaving back out of it. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're looking for it to move deeper into that distribution um, just based off the nature of how your work is organized. That's, I like that. The magnetics. Yeah. It's the magnetics of LVN HVNs. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're, they're the breadcrumbs left behind by all this, right? Yeah, the, the, the HVNs want to attract price back to it, and the LVNs want to re, you know, repel it. And if we get acceptance into an LVN, which is normally outside of balance, that means we're going to go seek balance somewhere else. Right, right, right. And right. a lot of times, previous balance is going to be the target because price has memory and all that jazz. Yeah. So that's basically the auction market theory. Is So we just went up, if you see actually post the whole entire chart where we went on and on this is a uh, nq 
we went to a previous balance area, got just yep. above the 50% midline, yep. and rejected have, it. Yep, yep, yep. I've got a line on my chart right up there. Um, I don't know what I have it drawn off of, but I had a, a line up in that area as well. Man, you're going to make me have to rethink how I'm doing some of this, to be honest. Let me ask, I'll ask you guys a couple questions. Like, Baba, where did you learn like all this stuff to incorporate your ideas? Where'd you learn the bulk of that information? And then I'd ask Purdue the same question. Well, I mean, I messed around with, vo- I was always a volume, volume profile person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you take an idea and you kind of observe it over a period of time. And then you begin to try to extract, like I always ask myself the question when I'm trying to, find a new way to approach something like where do i wish i would have been taking a trade and then after i ask myself that i find a few places on the chart I'm like man i wish i knew something there and then i try to find what is repetitively apparent in those areas mm-hmm. um i watched a lot of videos i mean i had a lot of conversations with people like mutual mutual friends that are, are big into volume um especially you know probably three and a half three years ago or something like that um, in, in the volume world, but, um, and then I kind of moved away from volume because the way I was applying it, I was applying volume from a, um, initiate a trade. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so as if it were a trigger to pull the, pull the button and actually put risk on. And, um, and like, like I said, I, I really was using it as a, um, as a, as a entry methodology, instead of a contextualization tool. And so I got kind of pissed off at volume because of <laughs> my misapplication of that. And when I started messing around with TPO, it was it's a little bulkier. Like it's a little it's a little less precise as Purdue would probably agree. Mm-hmm. But for, for me that pulled me out of the mindset of like when we touch this line I need to be doing something. And so, um, uh-huh. so that's, yeah, that's the... why I went that way. Um, and then I watched yeah. a lot of Jim Dalton stuff. I watched, uh, I watched a lot of people's videos about how people trade TPO. And like, what I don't do is I don't do this the quote unquote, like a right way, like the right way you're watching for like initial balance, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Which side do we break? Blah, blah, blah. And like, and there are market profilers I respect a lot. Um, one of them is, uh, pirate, the pirate traders, um, the guy from Pirate Traders uh, is a Jim Dalton guy, and um, like he trades this way, um, not not this way, but he trades like the the appropriate way to apply Jim Dalton's you know stuff. Um, so yeah, it just started from looking back at it and kind of noticing how we move, how the market seems to move, and then yeah, just like piecemealing it together, probably like everybody else, you know. Yeah, I'm just if there's somebody who wants to get a better feel for kind of like how you see the markets, is there like any sort of resources you'd point them towards if they wanted to try to like start down that path? I mean, I first got started obviously with Dalton's books. I mean, mm-hmm. that's I think where everyone should get started, even though yeah. the books are very dry to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my what favorite that? resource that got me into it was Shadow Trader, Peter Resnicek. Yes, yeah, I've watched a lot of his stuff as well. Funny. He he used to have a super cheap service. I don't know if he still has it now. Uh, he used to have a uh, daily, like a pre-market perspective, and it basically showed the basic idea of TPO and how to over, you know, interpret the TPO from the previous day into the week and so forth. And that's what got me on the rabbit hole of Sierra charts and merging TPOs together. And that's what then eventually, somewhere down the road, I kind of just fell off the TPO part and just went to volume. So we went, we crossed like ships in the night, brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. But it's, it's funny, funny Baba, but well, th- for me, the same thing that you just said about why you didn't like volume profile is the same thing I had, problem I had, I think, with TPO, where I was trying to use it for like generating trade ideas, and that's not the right application. Well, I'd say some people can apply it that way, but it's not dynamic enough for me. Uh, my, my way of, I just can't apply it. Um, I just, yeah, we just posted a couple links if you oh, want to put those. Yeah. And I'm, yep. I'm not really friends with, uh, I wish I knew this guy. I should probably reach out to him and like let's, have a conversation. Let's set it up. Um, because he, he runs a service. I mean, it's like five bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called the brigade and it's like a TPO. I don't really know what they do cause I've never been a part of it, but I've watched a lot of his videos and he live streams from time to time. And I just remember the thing I appreciated about 
the way that he approached it is he was never in a hurry to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just admired that, that his, his ability to allow the market to develop for and season itself in a day was um, like, I admired that and wanted to um, maybe have the level of confidence in the way that I was uh, approaching things to be okay with allowing the noise to play out and then finding, you know, what really stood out to me that I could take advantage of instead of just jumping on the first thing that showed up, like his patience and the way he views things. Me, like I just appreciated it. So I did pick up lots of, of little nuggets from watching their stuff um, or his stuff. So I'd recommend like if someone wants to learn, that's a great place. Shadow trader as well. Like I um, have, uh, he's had, he's had some videos out here and there. Um, I've, I've heard him talk about some stuff um, to do with balance. He, he's sharp. I mean, there's dude, there's so many great resources out there. I think the hard thing is sifting through <laughs> yeah, the trash always, to find the treasures, right? It's always the hard thing. <laughs> and and how many different rooms we've all been in and how many different things we've looked at is sometimes hard to piece together where it all came from. But to me, yeah. Shadow Trader was the most influential as far as going down that rabbit hole. Also, Purdue, I think you posted some stuff in our room too of explaining how you look at balance. Yeah, I posted some stuff that I it's basically my personal journal and notion about how I look at balance and then just basics of auction market theory. And, and that's really balance to me is, is not the, the trade where I'm going to pull the trigger on a trade. It's just giving me where I should be looking and what type of information I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not a very good uh, order flow trader. I am very much so a candlestick trader and uh, I just look for certain patterns and certain reactions around those levels. Well, it contextualizes all that information for you. Yeah. And that's the same way I use it. Um, and I really think like, um, I really think that probably for most people that does, that is the distinguishing factor between how to, like how you're going to apply any information is going to distinguish whether it's beneficial for you or not, which sounds like overly simplistic, but like, I love the way you just put that dude, because it, you know, it really does contextualize the theory of auction market and whatever um like if i meet with someone like there's some local traders which has been super cool people in our room that live local to where i live geographically i'm able to like go meet with them like grab coffee and talk about trading and it's so cool when if someone's really new the first thing that i the first way that i explain the market to them um is is around the idea of attending an auction Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and because to me that is that that really sure that is the not, purest form. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not actionable. Like they're not going to go home the next day and trade using that information. But the way that they th- process what they're seeing in front of them on the screen will help them be looking for a, a value. Um, I can't remember who said this. I was watching a video, listening to a podcast or something, and someone said that we look for a value. In everything we do in life, except for when we approach the markets, mm-hmm. so we can we, we're lured into participating um, more. E- like we're putting, we're giving our money away um, in areas that are for the masses, quote unquote. Um, and and they they compared it to like purchasing a vehicle, and like if you don't just go to like the first place that has <laughs> the vehicle you want, and then pay the price they're asking, and then go home and feel great about it. Everyone like shops that around, like no matter how much money you have, like you're going to shop around and find the the best deal on the car. Damn. I love that thought. Yeah. And so if you think, yeah, like the way I explained trading to, um, to a guy actually like just a few weeks ago was, was imagine you were at an auction where the, um, where the supply that was being auctioned off, pick an item. I actually Mm -hmm. used pine cones because we were standing outside and there was pine (laughs) cones on the ground. And I just said, like, imagine I have this massive supply of pine cones and I'm selling them to the public and I'm auctioning them off. And as I auction them, people are buying a lot of them at the price I'm selling. So naturally, a good auctioneer would raise the price. Mm -hmm. And then if people continued to buy, I would continue to raise the price. And then at some point, I'm going to raise the price so much that people are not interested to buy anymore. And when people aren't buying anymore, a good auctioneer begins to wind the price down. 
And so I just, you know, I was just like, so imagine like, where would you want to be buying the pine cones? Like, do you want to pay the top dollar for the pine cones for the, for the session of auction that you've participated in? Or do you want to either a buy them at a value or B sell them at a premium? Or if you notice that the market is crashing because no one's buying anything, do you want to go ahead and begin to be an, on the offer side, offering your pine cones and trying to offload them on the way, right? As price mm-hmm. goes down, and he he just looked at me as like that's that's how you think about the stock market, and I was like, dude, a hundred percent. I've always I've always had the visualization because I used to go to a lot of 4H you know auctions and stuff like that. I still have that. The, the auctioneer, when when things were hot, he'd be fast and moving. And I always have that, mm-hmm. you know, that bidding sound on the auctioneer. I'm gonna move real fast. I've always, when, every time I look at the dom, I swear I feel like that's what I hear. Like that he's just talking faster or he's talking slow. That's yeah. that's what I'm gonna be visualizing now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, they do I that. Think, uh, yeah, they do that by design too to get your emotions uh, going. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's, um, I think that clarity of that this is a competitive environment where people where people or robots or and algorithmic traders and everyone else they are looking to buy at a a value uh, uh sell at a premium and they're looking to prey on the people who have an impulsive nature mm-hmm. um because when you can't control that finger off that mouse button or your hotkey or whatever um you'll get lured into being one of the sheep like led to slaughter, <laughs> you know, buying things where you shouldn't buy them, <laughs> selling the them yeah. where you shouldn't sell them. Must be Purdue's auction. We're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will say, I, I don't want to get off, give well, off the vibes that um, whenever we go up, you should just automatically be looking to sell. And whenever we go down, you should no, automatically no, no, be looking no. to we buy. Right? That, but like, it's, like it's, it's all contextualized against the larger auction. And the fortunate thing about, the the style of work we're talking about the kind of homework piece of like contextualizing the current auction or the current series of days of auction is it informs you where where value is where can you get it where's premium and then how can you then you take and you distill that down to some areas where you feel good about paying the price that's being asked mm-hmm. now how many times have have you guys sat in the in the room where where well i mean i don't know where we're i'm just you know we're not taking any trades i want it higher i want it lower I, exactly and how many yep. times do i not get it yeah so yeah. many times i don't get it and the market goes the direction i anticipated it was going to go but they didn't they didn't meet the demands that, that yeah. i had and i you think the more the, there. the more you grow into being able to not take trades because of the work that you're doing, um, the, the the better the trades are going to be that you do take, and that's like that's that's like when you kind of moving to like another level of functioning. When when the when you're not going to the market looking to get into something, you're going to the market wondering like, are they gonna are they gonna meet my demands today? Like, are they gonna give me what I want? All right. If they don't give me what I want, man. Uh, I'll just sit on my hands. <laughs> I was speaking to another trader just about that exact thing today about trading less. How many times we hear it through our, you know, green years as trading about trading less and just trading better quality, not quantity. And because someone was asking me about, you know, what was my turning point? And that's really been more and more. I've been noticing that more than anything is that it really is the market in general as balance and then trading less and being really picky about where I trade. If I'm trading in the middle of balance on a, on opening range in the middle of the previous day, I'm not, I don't want to do anything this morning. You know, I'm yeah. just going to watch that. Purdue, I swear you must've listened to today's recording. <laughs> <laughs> that's so very familiar. I think the saying very similar things today. Well, what, oh, look, can I ask a couple more questions of Purdue for the last yeah. few minutes? Before yeah, we go, go ahead. Yep. All right. So, um, uh, let's see. So do, do you look to days like, uh, like an Island day, right? That, that day that, that was the, the day prior to the gap up where, or the move up where va- va- balance doesn't overlap. Do you look to that day as especially supportive or especially resistant, or do you just kind of incorporate its value and it's just another day? It, the, to me, uh, an island day, I think, is my interpretation of Flurry's island day is where 
value from the previous day. It doesn't touch the previous value. Correct. Um, yeah. Okay. So that that's exactly what I think of it. So if we open up and we're outside and away from the previous day's value, leaving it as as a, as an island day, I basically pay attention to that gap. How and then I, actually what I do is I draw um, a fib level from the previous day's close to the previous or to the new day's open. Uh, open. Looking for that fifty percent hold. Exactly. And as long as it holds that 50%, like the football field, if we open below it and the bulls can't get above it, guess what? I should be looking for shorts. Yes. Okay. Same thing. I got to make a notes here. Okay. Here's another question. So this is an idea that originated with some work that I was kind of like trying to soak up from um, the the OR trader, the pit trader, OR trader. um, He's friends with Brian. Rye Harris. Yes, Pax. I was I could remember yeah. Rye Harris, but I couldn't remember Pax. That's like his Rye Harris was like his his mentor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that was a was a good turning point for me was thinking of the market like something that was expanding out as the day developed. So, I know that might sound weird, but but traditionally I had gotten caught in so when I was able to like started making good levels and and a lot of my ability to create levels actually originally derived from a lot of work that we did with a team of guys in the options world. I got into this uh, perspective, like when the market opens, I want us to, um, if we go up to this level, I'm going to get short. Or if we go down to this level, I'm going to get long. And unless those levels are absolutely like bangers, that is a great way to just get your, get yourself beat up. So I started to use some of PAX's just the way he thinks about the market to trade from where we are out to the next thing of consequence. And the only um, hiccup to that or the only like what you consider to be a level of consequence obviously informs you of how much room you have from wherever we're opening, um, how much meat is on the bone for that trade. And that's something that I try to stay real mindful of. Like uh, it used to be 50 points. I needed a 50-point runway. At one point, I needed a 100-point runway. You can imagine how hard it was to get into trades where you felt like you had a 100-point runway on every one of them. But I've reeled that in since. When you're trading this, like today, for instance, is there – is there? Um, and I know your trade setups are obviously different than what I'm doing, but with this information, as we fell below your um, your little blue box – Two questions. Were you looking for the bottom of that to possibly hold? And then if not, is your trading uh, ability, are you dynamic enough to then flip and just take uh, find a short setup down there to take that move? Or like, how do you, I guess like, does that make sense? Like, it's like a pretty crappy question, but are you trading out to these things more often than not? Or do you find yourself sitting back waiting for, for them to, to, to hit and then try to say fade back in or, um, or, or vice versa. Yeah. I'm always very, well, I try to be flexible yeah. all the time. Um, this morning I was actually quite bullish to where we were opening. Yeah. They and, ran it up. And <laughs> yeah. They, they ran it up, but the, today wasn't a very good example because I had a whole bunch of PC issues from moving my PC last night. Um, so I missed the open, but I had drawn it on my chart before I had realized I didn't have audio and all these things going on. Um, but this morning, I ha- I pay attention a lot to the four-hour candle into the open. Yep, uh, yep, super aware of that, yep. And so I will share this chart here. It's an example of ES, but originally my r- notes had written on there and said, I am bullish above the four-hour on this horizontal line because that was the previous four hour high that we need to close above. If we close below that, I gotta be thinking it might be a two way trade or look for the bottom of balance. Right. And the the previous day mid, which was yesterday's 50% line was right there. And you can see how we popped up above it. We hit the midline of balance and then we then conceded and dropped right through balance area low into another balance area high. Um, that is like, the hardest part in trading oh yeah to, to to open bullish and think you're looking for a bullish trade and let's get on this and just rip mm. it and then to flip it and go short yeah yeah well and so th- th- so that was my d- 
dilemma today, which I think you were having computer issues, so you weren't in for pre-market work. But um, like I know, Kyle, uh, I think you were there possibly. Um, yeah, Banks, I was there. Yep. Banks talked a little bit. I think I posted a picture or something, but I was looking at that uh, that 33, 15.317 on NQ was yesterday's value area low. And my concern was with where we opened, if we don't make a value journey, so for me, it wasn't just get up. It was, we have to add, like the bulls have to trade through 15.383 and, and find acceptance and continuation, or they're in danger of at least trading 15.383 to 15.317. And then 3.17 gave birth to 15.265, which is the bottom of value for the distribution that we we're in. And I had a, a little yellow box drawn down there between 265 and that 274, roughly, uh, which was the bottom of overnight value. Mm-hmm. And and it was like, if we don't hold that, we're gonna we're going for balance area low. But I found myself because of the nature of the markets, and it was a Friday, and I'd already had a good week. I was like, I just couldn't flip i didn't do anything i didn't flip short at 265 we had an area like 230 i was like okay if we can trade back up to like 230 uh here's the setup i drew it up and put it in chat like this is what i'll be looking for we short rent we front ran that by like 12 points or something i didn't want to accept that much more risk so i passed on the trade i guess it's just good to hear that like you know that 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 is still a very difficult just because we have all of this information, there's still a gap between what we know and how well we can apply it. And that's the encouraging yeah. thing to me is that there's still room for improvement because I had, you know, a great some great levels today that gave the directional activity I was looking for, but because of the violent nature of which we recovered without trading through overnight low, I think we like literally double bottomed there. It did put me on guard for that same look, and so I was having to be real careful because you know how NQ likes to be, and then Friday especially, like it's definitely a day for manipulation and craziness with with all that. And so it was a, it was just, it was hard for me to get positioned for the short as well, even though I had even some setups that were they were there. We just needed to trade back and reoffer them, and they and we didn't do that. So yeah, it's it's it is hard, man. Like having this information is so helpful for clarity, but it's still there's still a, a challenge to like applying it and really making it all that it could be. Which I think you probably would echo the sentiment of like that's the that's the, the work that we're game. all yeah that's, that's what that's, we're working on. That's the hardest game right there is being able to flip, yep. and it comes back to that TPO teaching, whether it came from Shadow Trader or Dalton. It's just that. Uh, the 30 minute window, every single candle, I always try, I actually used to have a timer on my watch that would go off every 30 minute. And just as a reminder to tell me, what is the market doing good? What is it doing bad? What is it trying to do? And just mm. kind of give you that mindset to just kind of check, pull the screens out, back up and go look at what's what's it doing. And then yeah, that's, that's actually yeah. a good time for me to look at other charts. Like if I looked at NQ and it didn't make a new low, but ES did and YM didn't make a new low, but only ES did. So what's going on here? I need to watch this. Yeah, that and that's that's Banks 30 minute rolling profile. Mm-hmm. He has a 30 minute volume profile chart that just rolls the profile from the 30 every 30 minutes sequentially is is its own volume profile. That's um, nice. And that's a pretty cool way. And we could go on forever, but I know that we're, <laughs> we're up against the clock. So Yeah, Dan already had to jump off. I think he had uh, engagement. Um, yeah. Does anybody else have anything they want to say then before we wrap this up? I appreciate you guys' time. I always, always wanted to have this talk, and it's actually amazing that we're actually closer than I ever thought we were. I yeah, well, did not expect that. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Like, I feel like I have the bush league approach, and now I, I get to, I have like twenty more questions that I'm going to have for you, uh, <laughs> Purdue, like over the next week or so, because there's some, there's some ideas and nuance to what, how you're applying this that. I, I'm gonna play around with for sure. It's, there's um, I, I think what you're what you're what you have worked out is is compelling. Like it's it's super solid, and uh, especially that 50% battlefield thing. Like that is that's really cool. Um, and I'm I'm interested to to play around some more with that. Um, yeah, we can continue that on in Vanta. Yes, yes, we can. I love the uh, some of the just tips and ideas that you guys have brought up today. The big one for me is thinking of being at the auction like don't 
let my emotions start to dictate my actions. And that's exactly what an auction is designed to do. Like maybe yep. just being aware of that will help kind of snap me out of that and start looking for deals, which is something I'm really good at. Yeah, like make them jump through your hoop, you know? Yeah, like that's exactly. the best thing I could say is like make it jump through your hoop. And then if it does, pull the trigger. Even if it goes against me, hey, fuck you. I got my deal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, At least you, I can you, take that as a win. Wouldn't you? And you would, re- and then you could celebrate that even if it was a loss because yeah. the win is the process. Yes. Yes. Trade on your terms, not the markets. Dude, like come that. on. That's a quote. I'm going to get that tattooed on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to have to wrap this thing up, I think, because, yeah, pretty sure we could go on for another two or three hours if we really wanted to. Uh, thanks. Baba for stopping by from Vanta. Make sure you check them out. We'll have links for their stuff in the episode description. Check out Half Cocktails coming out soon. Check out uh, the Nothing Left But Ashes. We'll have all those links in the episode description. But until then, tell your friends, hit that like button, all that other bullshit that I hate talking about, and have a good night. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, dude. Thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.